stay there, Warren. We know Warren is about to leave again. Uh, God always blesses us with his presence every time he's here in Reno. And um, let's give him, uh, let's please join me in a, a word of prayer so we can send him off because he leaves on Tuesday, right? Yeah, for Florida. All right, so, um, and then if you have uh, your cell phones, please make sure they're turned off. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand as the deacons will hand you one. And while you're doing that, let's please join me in a word of prayer for Warren. Warren, we, we are grateful for what you do for us here when you're here. And um, uh, God has blessed the work of your hands. So now you're going to be off to the corporate world. You're going to be uh, punching in and punching out. Call me if you need prayer. Because <laughs> you're going to need a lot of comforting from him. And, uh, but that is your reward, right? Work is good. Amen. Amen. Work is good unless I am your boss, I guess. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for Warren and the, the blessings that you've given to us through him. We thank you for the talent that you've given him and, and um, his willingness to always share it to your people and for your glory. May you bless him and guide him while he's in Florida. And may you glor be glorified in his life. May you continue to bless the work of his hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And then uh, before we dismiss the children to their classrooms, uh, please let's welcome my cousin Chris up here for his uh, certificate. <laughs> I know he's a shy guy, so I'm going to have him come up here and have all eyes on him. <laughs> he was one of the guys that got baptized this year, professed publicly that he belongs to Jesus. Amen. This is, uh, how you been? <laughs> Praise God. Let's give him another round of applause. Okay, now we're going to dismiss the children to their classrooms and the Sunday school teachers as we prepare and get ready for um, our message tonight. Again, if you do have a cell phone, please make sure they're turned off or in silent mode. And if you have your Bible or your Bible apps, please turn or dial in Judges chapter 6. We're going to be Judges. We're going to be reading from chapter 6 or chapter 6 verse 11, verses 11 to 16. Hopefully you brought your Bible with you or that you have your Bible app. Please join me in another word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the children that are here this evening. We thank you for their teachers. We pray for wisdom for them. And we pray for a heart on those children of yours to continue to be in love with you and to be searching for you, for they are your next church. Please guide them and protect them. Father, I pray for your people that are here this evening. I pray for wisdom for them. I pray that the Holy Spirit in all of them be the one to give them the clarity of your message for each and every one. Father, forgive us for all of our sins. Don't let anything, Lord God, hinder us from hearing you and from humbling ourselves to be corrected by you. Father, I pray for blessings for my preparations that at the same time, Lord, I pray that you override it. As we always say, Lord, let it be you and you alone to speak to your people tonight. We recognize your presence with us. So I pray, Father God, that 
you teach us and you guide us and we trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our message tonight is entitled our message tonight, Caller ID. For those of you who are too young to remember, this was one of the greatest inventions and a curse at the same time. Because the prank callers like myself can, can no longer do it without being identified. We used to, me and my friends used to love playing with, with people's phones. You know, we'll just call them and we'll act as if we're someone else or we have a special message for them. You know, like the question, is your refrigerator running? <laughs> and then they'll say, yes, why don't you go chase it then? Right? Those, those prank calls that we, that we used to do. But caller ID now, caller ID now for most of us, if we're all going to be honest, is we use it to screen our calls, right? Oh, it's pastor. <laughs> Never mind. Put him to voicemail. <laughs> oh, it's her. She's probably going to borrow money from me again. Let me not answer her call, <laughs> right? Caller ID is helpful and useful. It is because it identifies to us who's calling us. And in the story of Gideon, in, in the book of Judges, he knows, he knew, he found out who was calling him. And for most of us believers, we know when God's calling us. We know if it's Jesus who's finally calling us. But for some odd reason, we're always quick to put him on hold or drop his call. But if it's somebody important calling us, and we see it in our caller ID, aren't we quick to answer it? If it's someone that we truly love, it doesn't matter what time at night, right? Two o'clock in the morning, it's your son, and he's still out, and he's calling you at two o'clock in the morning. That brings out worry in you, and what do you do? You pick it up, even with one eye open, right? What's going on? Are you okay? Right? We're quick to answer it. Somebody we love, somebody who's important to us, we're always picking up that call. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It doesn't matter if we're tired. We're picking up that call. And the opposite is true. If it's somebody who's irritating us, somebody that just bugs us and stresses out, the next action is we drop it. We don't pick it up. We ignore the call. So... Just with this title alone, and in the book that you're looking at, if you are in there, we have to see and we have to identify and we have to recognize and be honest that if it is God who's calling us, we should be quick to listen, right? We should be quick to listen and then we should answer that call. Judges 11, I'll begin reading. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Oprah that belonged to Joash, the Eberizite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 13, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? 
But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Just for a review, is the Israelites were under captive of the Midianites because of their disobedience to God. They were being punished for their sins. So the Midianites were, were starving the Israelites. What they like to do is when it's harvest time, they will raid the Israelites and they will leave nothing for them to a point that they will burn the leftovers just to make sure that their enemies, the Israelites, were weak. They were going to be weak, weak enough, you know, not, not, not having any strength to fight against them. Did you know that the enemy does the same thing? The enemy loves to starve the believers. And what is our main bread, believers? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And the enemy is busy to distract you from reading and studying the Word of God so that you'll be weak, so you won't have any strength to fight against him and his lies, so you won't be able to identify it. For the Filipinos here, we love teleseries, right? The teleseries, they, they run from 45 minutes. 15 minutes of those are, 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 are commercials. 30 minutes are the, is the show. Well, my question to you is, how much of your time did you actually read the Word of God? Did you spend as much time with that show or episode, or movie that you watch, as much time in the Word of God. A movie or a show in Netflix is an hour on the show, and then two hours on the movie, daily. For some of you, it's a daily thing. But how much of that time, of your time, did you actually put on in learning the Word of God? But you say, seek Him first, the kingdom of God. But you're really just saying that so you can get to the next part where it says, and all these things shall be added unto me. Because you need all these things, right? There's all these things. So the first part of our message is on who's calling. Who called Gideon? Jesus, right? Jesus was the one who called Gideon, the angel of the Lord. But yet he doubted him, right? If you know the story, if you know the story, you know that Gideon had to ask for signs to make sure that it was Jesus, it was God who called him. He had to make sure. For some of us, we know loud and clear that it's Jesus, that it's God who's calling us. But we're good to argue with him. We're good to sidestep him. We're good to sidestep him. But here, the first point that I want us to see here is, how God sees our potential. He called Gideon mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. You know, because that's our first response when God calls us. Our, and our, our, if we're honest enough, we say, why me, Lord? Why me? I'm the least of my family. Our clan is the weakest. 
Why me, Lord? We're quick to say that. But God is always good to tell us and to remind us of our potential. Mighty warrior. Does God make a mistake? No, the answer is no. He doesn't make a mistake. We make a lot of mistakes. God doesn't make a mistake. So if God's choosing you, has chosen you, and has called you, and He calls you mighty warrior, He calls you my little children, my brothers and my sisters, He's not making a mistake. He sees our potential. We see our failure. We see and we, we sometimes when we, when we stumble, we love, we would rather stay there. But God the Father is cheering us on. He, would, he wants us to get up. And he, he's, he's the Father that sees us at the finish line cheering us on. Come, finish your race. Because He has seen our finished product. He sees us as a mighty warrior. So the question is, what's delaying you? Don't you see it in your caller ID? It's God calling you. Do you just put him, if it's a text, do you just put him on the red zone? I read it, but that doesn't mean I need to reply to it. Seen or read. I don't know what it is now. And you just leave him be. I'll reply to him when I, when I want to. Well, for some of us, there's no replying. It's 20 years later. We've called yourself a Christian, ourselves a Christian, but we still yet to reply to God's calling. We still need to respond to His calling. But He sees us as a mighty warrior. When God calls someone, it is clear to that person. It's clear. And God calls those people who are moving. You know, Gideon was, was scared. He was threshing the, 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 wheat, the wheat in a wine press. Because, you know, that's strategic for him. Because he's scared of the Midianites. So he was hiding. And he was threshing wheat in a, in a, using a wine press. Because the wine press is the last place that the Midianites will look for someone for food. And wheat is bread, right? Wheat turns into bread. And what is the bread for the believers? The Word of God. The Word of God. For some of us, we will line up for a buffet for two hours, right? Especially the lobster buffet at Boomtown. My gosh, that's the one of the longest lines, I think. An hour. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're standing here like it's going to be worth it. They're making me wait all this time. They're going to pay for it, Sharon. They don't know what's coming their way. You make me wait an hour, I'm going to make sure I eat $200 worth. <laughs> right? But for some of us, if it's when it comes to the Word of God, we use it as a sleeping pill. Right? We use it as a sleeping pill. It's time to sleep. So, sweetheart, it's time that we pray together. But you pray first. And as our wife is praying, that's taking us down to... It knocks us out. If it's not prayer, it's, it's our Bible reading. Oh, let me read my Bible. That's, that's, that knocks us out. God's Word knocks us out. Right? 
But if, but then, then we wonder, I don't know why my life with the Lord is not improving. I don't know why it's stagnant. Because, you know, if it's Jesus' calling, when it's God calling us, we could care less. If the Bible, you know, when you look at your Bible in, in, the, in, the, in your bookshelf, you know it's calling you. It's calling you to read it. It wasn't there to protect the house. <laughs> well, some of you think it is. Let's put the Bible here so that no bad spirits will enter this room. Let's put it by my children's room to protect them. No, it's for us to read. It's God's spoken word so that we will feed from it. So that we would feed from it. So we would become the mighty warrior that God sees us to be. Is God calling you? Is there any calls that you haven't picked up yet from God? Has there been many calls for that matter? How about this call? When Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For those of you who are tired, day in and day out with your life, and you wonder, I don't know why I'm always tired. I slept 12 hours. Or some of you will say, I can never get enough sleep because I'm working too much. I don't know why, you say. But then if I play back your voice, the recording of what you said, you say, I'm working too much and I'm not sleeping enough. I don't know why I'm tired. Rewind. I'm working too much. I'm working too much. We work two jobs. Some of us work two jobs, but we barely make it to church. But we say, praise God, without Him, I won't be able to do what I'm doing. But when it's church time, we're like, maybe later, God understands. Maybe next week. I'll just listen to the podcast. And then we're starving for relationships. Because church is just not the message, right? Church is, 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 is becoming a part of that body and, 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 and mingling and interacting and, and growing together because we are interdependent together. If you don't have this fellowship, you will starve yourself and then you're just, your growth will just be stagnant. And Jesus is saying, the other call that Jesus is saying, come to me, come to Jesus. Are you coming to Jesus? Have you taken, he says, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Have you taken up his yoke? Or have you taken all knowing without knowing that you've taken the yoke of the world. The enemy's job, folks, is to keep you busy. Busy enough to keep you away from the Word of God. Busy enough to keep you away from the God's people. Be busy enough so that you will be useless for God's kingdom. We can make our life about making money all day long until we hit retirement age. And then we'll be tired because we're thinking, you know, when I hit retirement age, that's when I'll serve. That's when I'll answer God's call. That's when I'll answer God's call. But then when we hit retirement age, we're sick. We're sick. We're not healthy anymore. But some of us, that's a blessing, right? When we get sick, I, I see health this way, deteriorating health this way. If that health deteriorates, but then that's how you find Jesus. 
I praise God for that sickness. Because for some of us, when for most of us, I'd say this. If we're blessed and we're healthy, we could care less about Jesus. We don't see you at church because you're blessed 100%. But when there's problems, we see you. You come to Jesus. You hear Jesus finally. You're down on your knees finally. You're opening up your Bible finally. And His words are finally making sense to you. Because you've finally released all your pride because your strength is now gone and you finally come to Jesus. Because then you find your world easier. You find your life easier because Jesus says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But then somebody who's being called, we love to argue, not me. I'm the weakest of Manasseh. Have you seen, if you look back at what Gideon's response is, why me? I'm scared. I'm the scary cat. Look at where I'm pressing this wheat. I don't want to be seen. I come from a weak family. I come from the smallest family. Our tribe is weak. I'm useless. But then God says through Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, 20-29, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Folks, that will never change. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's why we are saved by grace, not by works, so that no one may boast. Because if we can boast about our works to Him and then we say, Lord, I deserve to come to heaven. I deserve to go to heaven. I deserve to be with you. Because look at my bank account. I gave you a million dollars my whole life. I've given to the poor. I've helped all my relatives in the Philippines. I've sent 10 of my nephews to college. And my grandkids. I'm a good person, Lord. Yes, I make a mistake here and there, but who doesn't? But I deserve, to come, I deserve to enter heaven. Yes, I discounted. Yes, I, I heard about your work on the cross, but I felt like my husband really needed that, not me. Remember, the two things that, that blocks a person from coming to heaven is one is they think they're too bad. I'm too bad. I'm too dirty. I don't deserve to go to heaven. Or nothing about my nothing in the world can save me from this. Or I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus. Ask anybody that I know that knows me. But when God calls, he calls the the ones the worst, the lowest of the low. Like Gideon so that he will not boast. If you know the story, if you know how the story ends, right? He was given victory, despite the small number against their enemy. He was given victory, not because of who he is or what he knows. Same with David, right? David, the young David, when he faced Goliath, all the experienced warriors of Israel, soldiers of Israel, including King Saul, 
did not want to face the taunting Goliath. Only the young David. And his battle cry was, You come to me with a spear and a sword, and I come to you in the name of the Lord, and he will give you to me today. It's not, it's not us, folks. It's not your educational attainment. It's not your goodness. It's not your discipline. It's not by your strength or your talent. It's by God that he can accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish through your life. It's because of God's grace that you will enter heaven if you accept Jesus as your Lord. It's not because of your goodness. It's not because you're a good person. And here's a, here's a, a quote from Ravi Zacharias. And he says here, An opinion is something you have. A conviction is something that has you. It holds you. It is what motivates you. It is the intelligence in your soul, and you can never change a conviction without changing who you are. It is ultimately your convictions that will drive you through life, especially in the toughest seasons of the soul. An opinion changes. Right now, your opinion is your favorite color is blue, but that could change, especially if you're not so favorite person, you find out, his favorite color is blue, then you're like, never mind, I'm changing colors as of today. But your convictions are the ones that hold you. My conviction is, is, is knowing that God called me. I know that He called me. I'm celebrating my four years. I celebrated, I'm celebrating my four years of being called as God's pastor, one of, of God's under-shepherd in this church. And that's my conviction. I know He called me. And no matter how tough times get, I just know that He said, Am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? So that is my conviction. No matter how many arguments I have in my mind to say that I am not the best candidate for the job, He tells me to just trust Him. Isaiah 55, 18, to nine reads, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Is God calling you? Is God calling you constantly to do something for Him? Now, unlike Gideon, we don't have any wars to fight. We don't have Midianites, or we don't live in a country like that. But there is a battle that we fight constantly. And that battle is the battle to live a holy life. In 1 Peter 1, 14-17, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are holy. You also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. In Romans 8.28, we all know Romans 8.28, right? In all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, those who are called according to His purpose. And what we tend to not know, verse 29, 
It says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. To be conformed to the image of his son. Have you been convicted that our God is holy? And do you have that conviction that you also need to live a holy life? In Galatians 5.1, remember we've studied Galatians, but let, me, let us just review it for a minute here. Galatians 5.1 reads, Christ has liberated, liberated us to be free. Stand firm then and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, tell you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. I get, again, I testify to everyone, every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to keep the entire law. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Verse 5, For though, for through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision accomplishes anything. Whatever matters is faith working through love. We are told that we are saved by grace and that nothing that we can add to it. There's nothing that we can add to, to what Christ has done on the cross. But we like to add certain things, thinking that the addition is more important than Christ's work on the cross. That's the battle that we have. And then the other battle is us living a, a worldly life. Look at verse 13. For you were called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. The first response is we tend to be legalistic. We tend to want to add to our grace. The second response is that we tend to use our freedom to live our lives fleshly against God's will. That's the battle that most believers go through. We don't have battles against Midianites or other people here, at least here in this country. Christian, Christ, Chinese Christians are going through that. Mid, Middle East Christians are going through it. They're being persecuted for their faith. For us American Christians, our battle is ourselves. Our battle is within ourselves. Do I live for the Lord or do I live for myself? Do I use my freedom to enjoy my life in this world and lose my testimony? Because that's the other call from Jesus. Do you live a holy life for Him? That's the battle. Because living a holy life is necessary for this. This command by Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We are to bring people to Christ. We are to bring people to Christ. We are to share Jesus to other people. Because the only way to heaven is who? Jesus Christ, right? His gift of salvation. But if we are not living our lives worthy of His name, then we are actually hindering, right? We're becoming a stumbling block to others. That is the battle. But just like Jesus, when he spoke to Gideon, he said, Mighty warrior, go and fight the Midianites. Why me, Lord? 
When you say, Lord, I can't. You know me. I'm a bonehead. I make mistakes left and right. And then what? You should hear Jesus saying, am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? I'm giving you the strength. He is the one that gives us the strength to accomplish what he wants us to do. He doesn't give us an impossible task and say, well, you're on your own. I, I don't really know how this is going to turn out, Chris, but do, just take the leap of faith. No, he knows how it's going to end. We just need to trust him. So our response, our response matter, right? With our caller ID, when we see God calling us and we finally take that call, there's our response. The response of, of, of Gideon at first was, Lord, give me signs. Give me signs. And these signs showed his unbelief, right? For some of us, we like to do that. Lord, I'll do this if you give me a sign. Asking for signs from God, despite the fact that you've already heard him call you and speak to you through reading his word or through messages, and you heard him already. You felt that tug in your heart that, oh my gosh, God's calling me. God's telling me to do this. But then you say, Lord, give me a sign. Gideon asked for three signs. That's your homework. Okay? For those of you who don't know the story, read Judges 6. Read his story. He asked for signs. He asked for one sign, and then another, and another. And until then, until then, did he follow God. You know, I have to confess to you, for those of you who don't know, I did ask for signs from God. When he was calling me because I was doubting his call, because I was saying, I'm the worst person for the job, Lord. Don't you know this? Why me? But then if you're truly calling me, give me a sign. <laughs> and he did. Three times. And there was no denying it, he's truly calling me. So my question is, and the challenge is, have you even come to that point of asking God, Lord, give me a sign? And when he gave you that sign, or if he will give you that sign, will you finally obey him? Will you finally respond to his call? And look at this. And this is the different response. After he asked for signs, then he went and obeyed God. Let's read this. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped and, the had, and had the Midianites over to you, but everyone else is to go home. So Gideon sent all the Israelites to their tents, but kept 300 who took the people's provisions and their trumpets. The camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Again, this is a review for most of you. But for some, they, you probably don't know. This has been, they started with 32,000. 32,000. And they were fighting, they were fighting 135,000. So the ratio was 450 Midianites versus one Israelite. That was the ratio. So 32,000 to begin with, and Jesus said, God said, you have too many. Gideon, I know I sent you, 
but you have too many men. Those who are scared, send them home. That was the first thing. Because you know why? Just like with, with, with Caleb and, and, and Joshua, when they went and scouted for the promised land, some of those guys came back at the camp and started scaring people. Oh my gosh, the people that are occupying that promised land, they're huge. They will kill all of us. And they affected most of the pe many people in the camp. But Joshua and Caleb came back with great news. They said, God will deliver those people and give us that promised land. Just as he said. Just like David. David was the young David when Saul gave him his armor. And David said, I can barely move in this. I don't need this. Let me fight this Philistine without wearing what Saul gave him. He killed a, what is it, nine-footer guy, experienced warrior that nobody wanted to face with a pebble, a slingshot and a pebble. And they, these guys beat the Midianites with 300 men. God delivered their enemy with such a big, I mean, 450 versus one. And it's the same thing with us, folks. If you still feel that you are not equipped and you are the wrong person for the job, for God's calling, you know what you're saying, in essence, is God made a mistake in calling you. Lord, you're making a huge mistake. So if you trust God that He doesn't make a mistake, trust Him that when He calls you, you're the right person for that. And His other calling for His believers is said, Be holy as I am holy. Philippians, Philippians 1-6 to reads, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then in Isaiah 41.10, God assures his people, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. How many eyes are there? How many times did God say, I will be there for you. I will do it. And if you don't doubt him, then start taking that leap of faith. Answer that call. Move with Jesus. Start obeying his word. Start living a holy life for him. Accept Jesus as your Lord. Start believing it. Right? When you find the truth, when you hear the truth about Him, you are compelled. You must be compelled to either do it or not do it. Do we agree? Some. Some of us, we agree. <laughs> when we hear God's Word and we agree to God's Word, we have to either obey it, right, and yield to it and live, live like it. Or stop doing it. When the Holy Spirit convicts us of His truth, we, that is our response. We need to respond to it. You know, Gideon, because of his obedience, he was put in the hall of faith. 
A lot of athletes want to make it to the Hall of Fame, but he made it to the Hall of Faith. His name was mentioned in Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 32. And this was, this whole chapter, chapter 11, has Abraham, Noah, all the men of faith, all mentioned, a special, special mention of everybody. And verse 32 reads, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Folks, it's time to let God take control of your life. Do you guys know, those of you who play golf, you probably do, the, the, the game, the handicap called best ball. So the best ball. So it's a team game. You're with a partner, usually a team of two or three. And you guys, the score that will be taken for your team is the best score. So imagine if you're in your team is Tiger Woods, right? You have in your team Tiger Woods and everybody else you're playing against are people from FICF, right? And the best, the, the best ball will be coming, the score will be coming from that best score. And that is our life, folks. If you will just surrender to Jesus and let him take control of your life, he will always have that best score. If we walk by the Spirit, that is how the Spirit will produce the fruits in our lives. But most of us, we don't like walking with the Spirit. We have a better idea, and we could play better than Tiger Woods. If we truly know who God is, and what He is about, His ways, and His will for us in our lives, the reason why we exist, the reason why we were saved, it is, it is a must that we should quickly surrender to Him. That He knows best, that His plans are better than our plans, and that our lives should be spent for Him, not for ourselves. He is faithful. Our God is faithful. He doesn't make a mistake. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is all-loving. He is merciful. He is a gracious God. And He will do us well if we will just yield to Him. If we yield to Him and you obey Him without any further delay, without any arguments, we will live our best life here. Do you see Jesus calling you? Do you hear Jesus calling you? It is best that you answer it. And it is best that you obey whatever He tells you with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Let's close in prayer, folks. Lord, we thank you for your people this evening. I thank you for their, their patience. I thank you for your spirit. I pray that you will be the one to clear the message for them. 
that whatever message it is that they are that they felt conviction in, I pray that they will just yield to it, whatever truth it is that you have given them. Father, we rest in your goodness and we rely in your power. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we've failed you, for the many times that we yielded to ourselves. Help us to see our need to be obedient to you and to live our lives for you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I can please have uh, our deacons that I've assigned to pray for the bread and the wine, we will have, before we close uh, our hymn, we're going to have our Lord's Supper tonight. Because um, four years ago, when, when God affirmed His calling, we did have the Lord's Supper. So I just kind of want us to observe the same thing.